So, as I was preparing for this sermon today, I read through all the texts and I was trying to figure out, okay, what, what in a kind of general sense kind of connects all of our texts. And to me, what stuck out was provenient grace. Now, provenient grace, that's a weird word. We might not have heard it before, but it's something that, Char- that John Wesley used to describe God waking us up to what God is doing in us and in others. And it simply means the grace that goes before. And so I noticed that in all the texts today, but I just wanted to focus on it in, in a few. So when I, when I read Matthew, I saw this feeling of expectation and waiting. We just went through Advent, and it's this whole time of waiting and expectation. And we were waiting with Mary for Christ to be born, and then Christ is born in the Magi. They are there, they are with them, they're celebrating this new birth of Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. And then everything kind of trickles out, you know. We, we all had visitors over for Christmas, I'm sure, and maybe some stayed at our houses. And so you had all this company, and then you're kind of tired, and you want people to leave. And so you're just like, okay, like, they'll go, they'll head out, and you just want to rest. But instead, that's not what was in store for the Holy Family. Joseph, in the middle of the night, he has this crazy dream. It's not just one of those weird dreams where you hit your teacher's car and then you get arrested. That's one I had a while ago. But this was a dream where an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and he said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Now, if I just got done with all this and I was tired and I, didn't, and I just wanted to relax, the last thing I want to do is pack up and not just move across town, not just go visit family across the state, but move miles and miles and miles away to Egypt. And they didn't have time to pack. They didn't have time to get all their belongings together, to plan out all their stops and visit some road tri- attractions. They were fleeing for their lives. They packed up in the middle of the night and they left. And they didn't know how long they had to stay there. And so, this, I imagine, would give them a feeling of, kind of, why, God? Where are you, God? How is this what God has given us? When we have Christ with us, Emmanuel, God is with us, but... We have to flee to Egypt and run for our lives. But the writer of Matthew tells us at the very end that this was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And that's, out of Egypt I have called my son. God knew what he was doing and what had to happen to lay that foundation for everything to happen, for Christ to live this perfect life that Christ may then go to die for our sins. <coughs> so the, the next piece there is Herod. He, he had told the wise men to come back and tell him where they found Christ. They didn't go back. 
they found a different way back home because they knew Herod was up to something evil. And so Herod, he figured this out, and he knew enough that Jesus was probably about two years old by this point. So he gathered his most loyal and vicious men and sent them out to kill all that were two years old or under. How is God in this? Like, even though we have God with us, shouldn't that stop all evil and suffering? God being here with us on earth? But God didn't come to end suffering, but to suffer so that we may face suffering with God. God never promises that suffering will end, but that he will suffer with us. And we can rely on Christ. And again, in Bethlehem, all these children, they're dead now. Their families are disrupted, torn apart. How is God in this? Where is God? But again, Matthew reminds us that that fulfills the prophecy, that lays that foundation. And again, in the third passage, after Herod died, Joseph gets another one of these wild dreams. And the angel of the Lord says to get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are seeking the child's life are dead. Great, we can go back, it's been a while, no more threat to our lives. But then, they start to head back, and Joseph figures out that Archelaus is the one in charge, Herod's son. Now, Herod was a bad guy, we know that. Archelaus was even worse. In fact, the Romans who were in charge of overseeing, they had put Herod in, they said, you can rule Herod. And then his son took over, and the Romans, they had to think about it. They said, you know, you're a little too brutal. The Romans had to go and remove him. So that's not exactly where Joseph wanted to return to. They were, they were in Egypt for safety. In Egypt, you know, a faraway place. They had to flee there. They were refugees there. And now they don't want to return back to this Archelaus. So he had another dream where an angel of the Lord visited him and said, Go to Galilee and stay there and live in a town called Nazareth because that, again, will fulfill a promise of God through the prophets that he will be a Nazarene. Galilee wasn't some place that you would expect God to be. You know, you can say, maybe God would be in Jerusalem where the temple is. Or maybe God would be a ruler, a king. That's certainly what the Jews expected of him, to come back and reign as a king. But no, he was in Galilee. Galilee's like backwoods. Backwoods, like no grocery stores even. You know, think of that place. And so in Matthew, how do we see that theme of prevenient grace? That is, God working before in order to prepare the Holy Family for everything to come and to protect Jesus, God was working in the background so that their faith might be built, so that they trust in God. Joseph must have had a lot of trust in God to listen to a dream where an angel of the Lord visited him so that he could flee to Egypt. If we look at the song, maybe that can give us somewhere where we can look. We can say, okay, like, that's pretty easy because Matthew wrote it in there and they told us what was happening so we didn't have to do any guessing. But the psalm reminds us, you know, in the heavens, 
Where God is, where the angels are, that sings God's praises, God's glory. Outer space, the sun and the moons and the stars. We have the depths, the lowest of the low places with sea monsters and all these crazy fish that glow. But we also have the mountains and the hills and the fruit trees and all the birds of the air and the creeping things. They all point to God's glory. And so we can say, all right, if it's all there, maybe I just need to stop for a moment and take it all in. Maybe pause and dwell on it. Because all the kings of the earth, princes and rulers, young men and women alike, old and young together, we can all find this grace and glory of God. And so like Pastor Melanie was talking about last week, we need to find a space where we can share this together. Where we can share what God is doing in our life and where we see God working so that we can build our faith up with each other. Because if one person notices something about God, why would we share that to ourselves? Because God is all about the community and everyone together, the church in total. In Isaiah, that's a weird passage because we talk about God's mercy and remembering God's mercy. We're told we will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord. And it's not an individual thing. It doesn't say I will recount. It says we will recount all together. And God gives us this grace, this provenient grace. In one of John Wesley's sermons about grace... He was talking about prevenient grace, and it is what God offers to every person that wakes us up. And so, if we are noticing something that's waking us up to God, we would share that with one another. And it's no messenger or angel but God's presence that saved them. So if, if it's God's presence, and we see that, and we experience that, we want to share that with others. And, and God, God knows all. God knows that we mess up. We do things that separate us from God and from each other. But even still, God assumes the best, but knows the worst. God says, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their savior. So, today, in the middle of Christmas tide, a feast celebrating Jesus coming to earth so that we may all be saved by God's presence. Let's celebrate together what God has done for us.